Welcome to the Weight Loss for Fertility podcast. When you're trying to get pregnant, whether naturally or with the help of a fertility doctor, weight loss can better your chances of success. I'm Dr. Stephanie Fine, and I help you do just that. Let's go. Hello, fabulous. Dr. Stephanie Fine here with Weight Loss for Fertility. And it's podcast time. Now, last week, I talked to you about Byron Katie and the work and how I went on the retreat, and it was so amazing. And I introduced you to her work, The Four Questions. So go have a listen to that one if you haven't already. I don't know that you need to listen to it first. It's probably a good idea just because then you'll have the foundation. But you will, I hopefully you'll get something out of this one anyways. And remember, we talked about Byron Katie's work, how it helps with weight loss is that it helps you get perspective on your thoughts. It helps you become aware of your thoughts. And that is how we release the obstacles to weight loss. It's kind of like weight loss is inevitable if we sort of get out of our own way. And what I mean by that is, if we only ate when we were hungry and stopped when we're satisfied, we would be our natural weight. But so many things get in the way of us doing that. Cultural things, but uh, and that, actually it's the same, thoughts. It's the thoughts that get in the way that have us, that make it challenging to just do that simple thing. You Most everyone who's listening to this has had some advice or read something or has some internal advice about how to lose weight. You know how to eat. But that doesn't make it easy to do. Knowing what your unconscious is thinking and what those thoughts have you feeling is the obstacle to weight loss. It's not how many grams of protein you're eating, I promise. So go back and listen to get the the basics, the foundation. And you can always go to Byron Katie's website, which is amazing and has so many offerings for you, free offerings, downloads and examples. And I mean, it's it's really incredible. So I highly recommend you go there. We'll link it up in the show notes. It's thework.com. But today I'm going to talk to you about a couple of the exercises that we did. So one of the most important ones, and we did it every morning, is a walk. The more She calls it the morning walk. And it's a silent, really what it is, is a meditation. And I'm going to explain to you what how I think about it. And I've been doing it since because I do think it's retraining my brain, which is always what I'm looking for. I am looking for how to retrain my brain from its default because default is how to conserve energy, find pleasure and avoid pain. That's the primitive brain. The primitive primitive brain is the default brain. So I will always not want to do things for my goal. I will always not want to change something. I will always try to conserve my energy, avoid pain, and seek pleasure. Now, the problem with that is if I'm in a place I'm not happy with, then those things aren't working for me and I need to change. And change is the work of the prefrontal cortex, not of the primitive brain. So I'm always looking for ways to retrain my brain so that it is happy to do the things that I want it to do. It's happy to start to do the changes or see things in a different way. We can train our brain to see things in a different way. I'm trying to think of an example. The only one that popped into my head is if you've, if you've changed your name. You used to be one name and now you're another. 
that's a ch- you have to change your brain. Or oh, with the new year, I'm sure if you've written 2023 by accident a couple times in January, right? So we're just retraining our brain. That's a mini version of retraining our brain. Now we're, it's 2024, so we write 2024. But this is a way of seeing differently. Okay, so let me t- first tell you the exercise and then I'll tell you more about that. It's a silent exercise, okay? And as you walk, you're supposed to look at everything you see as though, as though it doesn't have a name. And as you walk, you begin to name whatever your eye rests upon. So you're not choosing things on purpose. You're just looking around and you're naming things for the first time. She instructs us to only use first generation names. So what that means is you're saying sky, flower, insect, tree, woman, shoe. As you notice the thoughts moving away from the first generation, an example of that would be like, wonderful morning or beautiful tree or, you know, white shoe or uh, tall woman, you're going to notice that you've done that. You're going to gently stop and be still and then return to the simple, uncomplicated one word first generation name, sky, woman, cloud. Okay. And it's just about noticing and it's silent. What I loved about this or many things, but the main thing I got out of it was I'm training my brain to see every tree without judgment. And what I mean by that is there were many different kinds of trees. There were tall trees and big trees and trees with leaves and trees without leaves. And there were dying trees and there were baby trees and there, you know, there were so, so many different trees, a sycamore tree and a pine tree. And what happens when I start to go even just one generation more, right? So second generation where I'm adding even one word to describe it, I'm already then putting a hierarchy on it. I'm already in my brain saying, oh, a big tree is better than a little tree. Or, you know, a baby tree is cuter than a old tree, dying tree. And what I believe now, she didn't actually say this, but but it's what I'm getting out of it, is that I'm training my brain to see that a tree is is just a tree. Like there, there's, there is no value judgment on it until I put it there. And this is true even like if we were walking together and talking about the trees, I may consider one tree big and you may consider it small. Or you may think it's beautiful and I think it's hideous. So it's really true that there's no inherent judgment or or quality about the tree, except that it's a tree. We could probably agree that it's a tree. And so it's so valuable to start training our brain to just see things how they actually are, not when we put a judgment on it. Now it's not, and, and this is such a beautiful way to practice this because there's no pro, there's no issue with it, right? There's no problem if I'm thinking it's a big tree. But I want to have the idea that a tree is a tree and that I don't put judgments on things, is that I'm training my brain not to judge things. You can start to see why that would be very valuable for my brain to do that. Because of course, at any later date, I can judge it, right? I mean, if I needed to find a big tree, I would just go out and be like, oh, I'm looking for a big tree. But that's not what this exercise is about. It's about training my brain to just see a tree for a tree. What I know this sets us up for is noticing that our thoughts are just thoughts. They're not necessarily a good thought or a bad thought. 
until we need to decide that for ourselves. But if we're just walking along and a thought comes in our head, because that is what happens, the brain thinks. Remember, the lungs breathe, the heart beats, the brain thinks. So if we cannot judge our thoughts when they just appear, we can save ourselves so much suffering. Because if I'm walking down the street and I and my brain, and I'm not doing this exercise, I'm just walking down the street and my brain says, ugly tree. I could get so upset with my brain, with my really, but it's not my brain. I'd be getting upset with myself about saying, why are you judging that tree as ugly? I can't believe that's the first thought that comes to your mind. You're so judgmental. This is terrible. La, 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 la. But if I'm training my brain to just say tree, then I have, then I'm training there to be no judgment. And if my brain offers ugly tree, I don't have to be triggered by thinking I'm a terrible human for thinking it's an ugly tree. I can know thoughts just come and go. That's just a thought. Now I don't have to be attached to it. I don't have to go down the rabbit hole of I judge and how terrible I said it's ugly and you know, all that. When I'm able to think of things first generation, thought, thought, thought. So whatever thoughts are coming through my head, ugly tree, beautiful morning, happy interaction. I can choose which ones to look at, but also I can just let the thoughts go as thoughts. Now, remember, we're going to be deliberate about some things. Like I said, if I wanted to find a big tree, my brain's very happy to help me do that. If I'm looking for a thought that serves me, that's a happy thought that's motivating, I can find one. If I want a, a judgmental thought, I can find those too. But if I'm just being with myself and thoughts are coming and going in my brain, I don't have to be judging them as good or bad. I can just be going on with my day and then use my brain as a tool for when I need it. It's just like we use our lungs deliberately when we need to, if we need to hold our breath because we're going underwater, if we're exercising and we need more oxygen, you know, that we can deliberately use our breath. But most of the time, we're not even thinking about it. That's our brain too. Most of the time, we're not thinking about our thoughts. And so we want there to be ease there instead of getting caught in judgment. So I loved this exercise. It We did it every morning. I have been trying to do it when I walk. I don't walk every day. So when I walk, I am using it literally as a brain training. To me, it's actually like meditation. Again, that's episode 37, if you want to go back to that, because the way I always thought about meditation was watching your thoughts. So letting them go by. It's a similar thing where you're not judging the thoughts. You're just practicing letting them go by without sort of triggering you. So amazing. I recommend if you'd like to, if this sounds interesting to you, taking a walk. I mean, it could be a 10 minute walk. It could be a five minute walk. You could actually even do it sitting at your desk. You just can look around you and see and name the things that are around you without you know, any judgments around them. Like, you know, I have in my office, there's a black bag. I could just say bag. I highly recommend that. That was one of the great ones. When I did this recently, what I really noticed was how hard it was. My brain was on fire that day. One day I did it, it was super easy. It was so easy to just, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't perfect at it. Remember, we don't do perfect around here just because there isn't such a thing. But I, it was easier for me to do. I was able to, and when I noticed I wasn't doing it, I just easily brought myself back. 
the other day, it was so hard. My brain was just whatever it was like my sleep or my experience or whatever it was. It was much harder to do. And what I was able to notice is, and this is another concept, so we're going to go into this, is if I thought about like a conversation in the past, I can't even remember what it was, but I I was thinking about a, a conversation I had recently had. And I walked for like a couple blocks without noticing anything. I didn't notice my steps. I didn't notice the things around me. I was not present in my walk. I was active in the conversation from days ago. Isn't that remarkable? So Katie talked a lot about this, right? About images of past and future. And it's so true. So another example of this for me is actually when I was on the retreat, I had dinner. I actually, there was a place that I wanted to have dinner. And every time I went, they were, and the place is so small, you could walk to everything. It was really lovely. But so I wanted this place. So I made a reservation for one because I didn't know if I would be eating alone. Actually, when I do these sorts of things, I do like to have time with just my brain because I'm with a lot of people a lot of the day. So anyway, I made a reservation and I, and I sat down and I had dinner alone in the restaurant. And what happened was I had been there with my husband before. So then I texted him about, you know, that we had been there and then I ordered this drink that we both enjoy. So I, you know, told him about that and he maybe responded. And so I'm having dinner with my husband. No, he's not there. I mean, it's remarkable. I'm remembering the last time we were there. I'm thinking about what he would order and what he would think and, oh, he wouldn't like this. And like, I and, and I was smiley, like I had a great dinner, but I really had it with my husband. It was so fascinating and so clear that in my brain, I was with him. And I was, of course, there at the restaurant. And just for clarification, he was not with me. <laughs> he was home. It really felt as if I had dinner with him. And that's how powerful our brain is. That's what our brain can do. Our brain can bring up past and future. We can live in that. And that is useful for many things, like for planning, for learning, the thinking of the past and thinking of the future. But for being in reality, for having the cleanest reactions we can have, being in the present is the most sort of creative and light place to be is the present. And being able to notice when you're out of the present by noticing if your brain is in the future or in the past is really, really helpful. And this exercise can help you, the walking exercise, the naming exercise can help you realize that or, or see how often that happens. Now, one thing I'm going to squeeze in here too, because I think it's so important, is future thinking. Now, we certainly can do it um, meaningfully. Like I have to make a plane reservation. So I'm thinking of what I'm going to want to do and what time is best and how long it's going to take to get to the airport. I mean, this is what's so fantastic about a brain. It can do that. But if we find ourselves sort of slipping into the future, it's often worry. If you are worrying, you're imagining the future and clearly not in a good way, right? Because you're worrying about it. Now, of course, worrying about the future, it hasn't happened yet. So almost always we can say that worry is not helpful to us. Because if you start to think about how you act, how you behave, how you feel when you're worrying, it's not great. Again, this is not to say that you couldn't say, oh, 
I'm concerned that that flight's going to not be on time. And then with that concern, you can check on it or you can make yourself a note to check the night before. You know what I mean? You, I mean, there's there. it makes sense, but that takes all of five minutes, not even two minutes. But if I keep worrying about it and keep worrying about it and keep worrying about it, that's when I'm thinking of the future. I'm not in the present. And that would be suffering. And it's just good to notice. There's, there, I certainly don't have to beat myself up about it, but it's just so useful to notice. And we can go from our feeling to the thought, right? So if we notice we're worrying or feeling anxious, we can start to notice what's the thought. And usually it will be images of the future, a future that has not happened. And we can save ourselves some of that suffering. Now, if we're feeling sort of regret or beating ourselves up, a lot of the times we can look to see that we're stuck in the past. Now, it could be a long time ago past, like your childhood past that was uncomfortable, because usually we're not remembering good times. If we are, amazing. I mean, I if you're remembering good times, stick to it. That's fantastic. But usually there's a, a difficult feeling attached to it and we find ourselves over and over again. Or if you had an argument with someone, you're replaying it over and over and over and over. Now, sometimes, like with the, with the first episode last week, you can deliberately go through a past experience, right? With the four questions. That I would say is useful, right? Because you're, you're using it to look at it. But when we find ourselves there over and over and over again and not having done any work on it or used it to learn, and we're just revisiting and revisiting and revisiting, we, I, th- I think you know the difference. You may have had that experience. We're just sort of stuck in it. And often it's we're beating ourselves up around it. We're judging ourselves around that. Or we really can get into the judging your neighbor part, like he should have, and I can't believe he didn't, and la la, you know, all that sort of stuff. If we do that once to get information for ourselves, for handling it differently in the future, amazing. But if we find ourselves there over and over and over again, and it just feels terrible in our bodies to us, that's when we want to notice and sort of bring ourselves to the present, where we can make really good decisions and, and, react in a way that serves us. Okay. So one more exercise I'm going to share with you. And it was the going home exercise. And it was so sweet. So at the end of the retreat, we left and they gave, she gave us a book and then a little envelope on it that said going home exercise. So sweet. So I'm going to do this with you now, a mini version. Okay. So here it is. Think of someone you most love and admire from your life or history. And they could be dead or alive. It could be an animal, but someone you really admire and really love that you look up to that you just think is the cat's pajamas. You just think they are amazing. Okay. Have that person in your brain. I actually want you to do this with me in real time right now. So do you have someone in mind? Okay, and really just pick anybody. (laughs) You could just the first person that comes to your your mother, your, you know, your boss, your Byron Katie, you know, I mean, any, anyone. Okay. So you have that person in your brain. Now I want you to know, she wrote to have 10 qualities. I, I want to do this with you now. So I want you to think of three qualities that that person has that you most admire about them. I'm giving you a little time to come up with three, three things that come to mind of what you most admire about this person. Have you got them? Three things. Now you're supposed to write this down, but I'm going to, assume that you're, you know, washing dishes or driving or something. So, and I think you can hold three. If you came up with two, two would work too. 
So you have the three things, repeat them to yourself, three things. Now, as you look at that, you think about them, what we, what she wants, wanted me to do and what I want you to do is to now turn them around. So what you're going to say is what I admire about myself is, and you're going to do each of those three. So what I admire about myself is how loving I am. If I was thinking of Byron Katie, that's the first thing I think of. And now I'm turning that on myself. So what I admire about myself is how loving I am. It like brings tears to my eyes because we were thinking that it's something that we admire about someone else that sometimes almost we think we can't have. Like we admire it in someone else because they have it and we don't. But this exercise, and she did many like this, are turning it around to ourselves. And then the real work of this is you you think of each quality and you write down each one. What I admire about myself is, and I use the example of how, how loving I am. And then I find three authentic examples of how that's true. I mean, isn't this mind blowing? So I have now thought of three things that I think of, let's say Byron Katie, and I feel like she is in a so much more advanced than I am in so many things. And one of the things I thought about her was how loving she is. And when I say loving, I'm telling you, my goodness, it's amazing. And I definitely think of myself if I was to tell you that I'm not there yet. But what she's asked me to do, and oh my gosh, I could just cry from this, is to try it on for myself. I was so moved by these. And then practice with my brain about how I can, I know that it's true, that what I admire about myself is how loving I am. And when we do this exercise, which I really hope you do this exercise, it's, I I mean, my heart right now is exploding and it gets to be about me. When I practice loving myself this way, because that's what this is. This is an exercise in loving yourself, which is the foundation of everything we do at Weight Loss for Fertility. It is the foundation. It's necessary. We're practicing that with this exercise because now, and you certainly can do 10 qualities, I wish you would, but even the three that you thought of about the other person, if you did three and then came up with at least three examples for each, you have nine things to admire about yourself and what a gift that is. So I want this for you. I want your breath to be taken away by how beautiful it is that you have these qualities and that you can actually authentically find them in yourselves. Now, if you're finding it hard to do, I just need you to think harder because for sure they are there. There are examples. And when we are exercising our brain to find these examples, we're gaining a skill of looking for examples of how we can admire ourselves, how we can be proud of ourselves, how we can be who we want to be in this world, how we already are, we're just not noticing. And when we can treat ourselves with compassion as the default, we can do everything we want to do. It's inevitable. We want to spend as much time as we can in this compassionate place because when we have compassion and admiration and love for ourselves, we naturally have it for everyone around us. That is the way it works. Similarly, when we're hounding ourselves and we're mean to ourselves, we are more likely to be mean to others. 
Now, that's not necessarily the reason to do it. There's so many reasons to love yourself, including that it feels so much better, but it really does benefit the planet, truly. So practice this exercise with the three traits and qualities that you came up with the person you admire. Don't change them. Use those ones, the ones you came up with originally, and find for each one three ways that it's true about you. It was such a beautiful parting gift that she gave me. And I pass along to you because that's how love works. I'm excited for you to have that feeling. That feeling helps everything. I am sending you so much love. That was like the tip of the iceberg. I could have 12,000 more episodes about the Byron Katie retreat. If you want to hear more, let me know. Find me at Stephanie Fine MD, and you could always contact me there, or at Stephanie Fine MD on Instagram. You can DM me any time. I am sending you so, so, so much love. And until next week. If you follow, share, rate and review this podcast, you'll be helping it reach others just like you and making their journey with weight loss and fertility just a bit easier. Lighten their load. Share in your groups and social media. Thank you, fabulous.